Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 124, and here we go. NFL Combine, you guys are going to be listening to this, but we get the the skill positions on Saturday and Sunday heading into it. We have a few thoughts here at the Undroppables, here at the Undrafted. Uh, so I've got my fellow producer, the greatest producer in all the land, joining me today to help me share with you what in the hell is going on. So I'm just going to have him sort of keeping me in check. I'm feeling a little frisky, feeling a little crazy. So he's the uh, the steady to the ship. Mr. Michael P. Duncan. What's up, Michael? Is that really any different from any other given week? No. No. I it's mean, just normally nobody's there to yeah, keep me in, in bounds, still, I guess. I'm still <clears throat> cutting out all the crap that, that you go out of bounds on. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The the edit button used appropriately. I I, I, I agree. Um, you know, but I, I did want to start with, you know, I think here we are. Combine's happening. You know, for those of you who draft before the NFL draft, for those of you who draft before the combine, I, you know, I, I think I can be useful. You know, the 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 process that you know, basically, me and Chalk kind of put together. We're always talking behind the scenes. Chalk is kind of my, you know, my whisperer, talking in the earpiece and helping me figure it all out because he's a genius and I love him and he's my partner here at the Undroppables. And you know, of course, I've got support from a lot of other people at the, at, you know, at the brand and you know, Michael P. Duncan, one of them. But <clears throat> in terms of our process, we were thinking about it. Uh, and it's it's a patient process. I don't want to jump out and be like, you know, this is what's happening well before we get all the information in. I think the majority and I think the best way, the most fun way for me to draft is right after the NFL draft. For me, that's the most fun. That's also the most popular that I find. I do find a lot of guys like to sort of gain the edge by drafting early. I get that. I do understand that you do gain an edge, but you do also, there's a lot of smoke screens. You got to, you got to sift through. And right now is smoke screen heaven as there are just all sorts of, you know, things going on in the media right now in terms of, I mean, my goodness, I was just watching, uh, I think it was the NFL network or whatever. I've got it. I'll play it. The clip about Anthony Richardson, you know, Anthony Richardson. First, I saw a tweet that said he is a, you know, one, uh, uh, NFL executive says he's a cross between Justin Fields and Cam Newton. And I dropped Cam Newton and Justin Fields college statistics. And let me just tell you, he is not that he might be something. I'm not sure what he is. I'm excited to find out, but I think there's a lot of conjecture and, and, and talk that is, is just out there. And then I heard wh- whoever this is, you can, you can credit them, Michael P. Duncan, if you want to, but I heard this little snippet on the NFL network here we go. Ready? Listen to this. One of the things that Napier told me this week, though, Matt, is how intelligent Richardson is. I'm not sure that that actually gets as much credit as it should, but teams are noticing here, right? Teams are noticing, and it might matter more than how fast he is, how strong his arm is. I talked to a handful of scouts last night who had been in interviews where they had all four of the top quarterbacks back-to-back-to-back. Every single one of them said Anthony Richardson is the best quarterback interview they've had this year. Some of them say he's the best quarterback interview they would have had last year. Really? He is crushing it in the interview portion. What happens behind us on the field is important. It's fun. That's why we're here. But the interviews are why the players are here, and he's crushing it. So if you can win the combine as a quarterback, you do it in these meetings, 15-minute speed dating yeah. that they do, and he's crushing it right now. One of the things. 
okay. He's the smartest guy that's ever walked the planet. He's the best interview by all the GMs ever. Like, this is getting a little overboard. I think we're going to see Anthony Richardson flying up every board. Everybody's going to get excited. And the, the the pragmatism still sets in for me. Can this kid, you know, can, it, can he get it done? Can he deliver the ball on target and on time in the NFL is a huge, huge question. So, you know, we're going to get all swept up. I'm getting swept up. I want to draft this kid right now. I got the one-on-one. I want to push the button. But is that the right move? I don't know. Let the dust settle. We're going to be very Bayesian. We're going to be very patient. You know, if your draft isn't until after the NFL draft, let this whole wave of Anthony Richardson as the greatest NFL prospect ever go by, and then we're going to look at it with a very pragmatic eye and make good decisions. What what the hell, Michael P. Duncan? Give me a towel, would you? Yeah, I mean, to go along with I'm not going to get you a towel, but I'm going to give you. my opinion. Um, yeah, you're a little too far for me to bring you a towel. But overall, I mean, like... We have to give the NFL some credit. No one likes to. I don't like to. But like, if we're being realistic, last year Malik Willis was a top three pick in everybody's mind. Yeah, not in everybody's mind, but like it was more or less a a given that he was going to go in the first round, probably early on. Maybe the Carolina Panthers. Kenny Pickett was going to go, you know, two overall or whatever. Malik Willis didn't go to what the third, fourth round. round. Uh, Kenny Pickett went. You know, I think it was like twentieth overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like. The NFL, it, it feels like they almost go through waves of like overdrafting and under underdrafting quarterbacks. And it's like, you know, you go back two years ago and there was Zach Wilson and he himself was overdrafted. But then you had guys like Justin Fields that I thought was underdrafted. Some thought Mac Jones was underdrafted after Trevor Lawrence going first overall. Right. Um, and, and, you know, there's the years that it was... Um, Here's a throwback for you, like EJ Manuel and I believe Geno right. Smith were the top two in that draft. EJ Manuel went like tenth to the Bills, and Geno was in the second. Like, we're gonna have to wait and see. And I agree yeah. completely with your take on I like to draft after the draft because, like, a lot of times I and you know, yeah, okay, maybe you get an advantage by drafting before because you're paying attention. You could also screw yourself. Right. Everyone was taking Malik Willis in a rookie draft, like one hundred and one in Superflex, and I'm positive they don't feel good about that anymore that's right it's, yeah and, know, and it's it, because and it was not because you know we said it so many times on this podcast it was like i'm not so sure he's any good but if he gets drafted in the top five i have to take him because of the opportunity he'll be tethered to so the information that we were basing that off of wasn't that he was good it was projected draft capital i think that's the other thing that really comes down to it is that you know i just did my anatomy series uh for, you know i'd done the quarterback and the running back i just this week did wide receiver which was a lot of fun and still the most predictive thing is draft capital it still yeah, is always and is. it's always most predictive be. for all of it so once you know malik willis goes in the third round he's no longer a first round pick in in a rookie draft just because of draft capital and i know that that's he's still the same player if he gets taken one first overall or not you know we we were fading <clears throat> excuse me we were fading zach wilson a little bit in that class we had him fifth uh we were correct but you know it's not like i wouldn't i did take him in a in a couple drafts i took him with like the 111 110 a few times cuz like can't let him I'd slide by here the, i'd rather have the fifth quarterback in that class than the second quarterback in last year's class like that's just reality that's how draft capital works it doesn't matter what we think of the player 99% of the time and right. that's magnified at the quarterback position it matters what NFL teams think of these players. And they yeah. tell us that on draft night. 
no doubt about it. Obviously, Richardson has a you know ceiling, but there's it still remains to be seen whether or not he can you know operate an NFL offense and you know do all the things it, it takes to to uh, to win in this league. I mean, you know, even Justin Fields, who's a exemplary athlete uh, and posted incredibly uh, superior numbers throwing the football to Anthony Richardson, was picked apart. If you remember, yep. so where are all the guys picking? who are picking apart fields, picking apart Richardson. That's all I'm saying. Like, you know, it, you would think this Richardson is like so much better than fields ever was. And that's just not really the case. And so I have a hard time being pragmatic when it's just like, he's being elevated to a point where it's like, you know, even Justin Fields was like, I'm not so sure about the release and this, that, and the other. And I mean, yes, I'm still concerned with Justin Fields for those reasons, but I guess what I'm saying, where's that concern for a guy like Anthony Richardson? Everybody's like, no, he's got the tools. He's got the upside. It's like nobody's seeing the downside. I just find it fascinating. I've never, I've, I never understood the Justin Fields hate that hates kind of a strong word, but yeah, the, the, the knocks on his game. I, I thought he was the number two overall quarterback. I thought that was fairly obvious. I didn't really think I like, you know, I'm, I'm not a pro scout or anything. I thought that was a pretty obvious and unargumentative take. Clearly right. not. The NFL would have disagreed with me. Yes, um, they did. Yeah, it, it, it's just funny the way that they view the way that we view these prospects year in and year out, and how the similar things can be said about them and have completely different meaning behind them. Almost, I mean, like yeah. honestly, a lot of people said very similar things about Jalen Hurts, who went in the second yes. round. Yes. he had questions. Obviously, it was the accuracy for the most part, um, and yet he was a prolific passer at the college yeah. level. You know. Yeah. He, you know, way, better. way better Sorry, than I'm going to go on a, I'm gonna go on a Jalen yeah. Hurts rant if, I, if I'm not yeah. careful. Sorry. No, but I'm just saying like these things clearly, you know, he's a second round pick. But now Anthony Richardson, who has not as uh, complete a profile as Jalen Hurts had, that's for sure, yep. is going to go in the top five or whatever. And so that's all. That's all I'm getting at. I mean, we see ceiling here, but not there. How did you not see ceiling with Jalen Hurts? You know, it's like what? Do, anyway, off the soapbox, let's talk about <clears throat> this draft and this combine that we're going to see. What are we looking for when we look into combine weekend? You know, let me reset what I think the sort of consensus is or and or a little bit of my rankings and thoughts um, on the draft class. We're going to be looking at this from a super flex standpoint. I know I actually might answer some of the questions that people had sent in, um, you know, in doing so. So if we do that, if we're done, that's fair. But at the 101, starting in a super flex draft, it's Bijan Robinson. Everybody's sort of circled the wagons. We all agree. His value is sky high. He's the running back one in Dynasty. He's a first round rookie pick. Uh, excuse me, a first round startup pick in any format now. It's like, whoa, here we go. So, Bijan Robinson, if you're holding that 1.01, you now hold a tremendous amount of draft capital. You cannot overlook the opportunity costs of moving that pick doesn't mean you have to move the pick. You just can't overlook the opportunity costs of holding that asset. Um, if you want to draft him, go ahead. That's fine. I might do that in one of the leagues. I have the one one I don't have very many. I think I only have a couple. And <clears throat> in the league, I have him. It's a one quarterback league, and I'm stacked, so I'm ready to go. I'm like, let's go. Add him up. Um, I mean, yeah, that's it, the easiest pick of all time in a one quarterback league. Where you're yeah, it's like I don't need to leverage it as much. And I am I have JT, Najee, Javante or something like that. It's like, oh, my God. So, you know, I'm ready to go. <clears throat> I might make some other moves in that league. I, who knows? What, you know, maybe you can trade him for Justin Jefferson. I'll certainly 
float out what he's what his value is in that league too. Um, but that's actually at least a team that's ready to take him. If I'm a rebuilder and I've got that, I'm looking to literally refill a lot of shelves with this pick by trading it for, you know, someone asked, let's go to that first question. What was the Olave question if you have it handy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this was a uh, question that was given to us by uh, at Jared Brannon. Um, he said, I really uh, I really earned the 101. I'm assuming <laughs> that means he sucks. Bad team. Um, have been getting an offer that has Olave. He's a tw- it's a 12-team super flex start nine. How much on top of Olave do you need to make that work? Would you ever add Jamison to the 101 to push it to something more like Olave and DK Metcalf? Because that's what I'm getting sent to me. So basically... He has the 101. Someone's offering him Olave. There's some other pieces moving around. Where would you be going with this deal? Yeah, I certainly wouldn't add Jamison to get DK because I would be like, no, just give me DK and Olave. You know, and someone's going to yeah. be like, no, it's crazy. But, you know, then you shop it to someone else who wants it. There's not just one buyer. That's the thing. Unless your draft is happening like right now, take your time is the first thing and have conversations with everybody. You know, if Olave is available, who else is available? Don't just limit your trade partner to that one guy who's all of a sudden offered you a player you like. It's not about the player you like. It's about the package that makes your team most valuable if you're a true rebuilder. Because you want to take that 101 and make it as valuable as it is right now. You want that to be what what uh, <clears throat> what you realize. Because it's, it's unlikely that it's ever worth more. Bijan is probably never going to be worth more than he is today. He's the RB1 in Dynasty. Like that's maximum value. So that means that you can trade down and get ETN and a 24 first or something like that. Like I'm not saying that's what you should do. I'm just saying that might be possible. That's what's going on. You can probably get the 102. I saw chalk move up for the 101 and he did so from the 102 <clears throat> and he did uh he did a, you know, 102 and 101 swap. And then like he moved from the 108 to the 201 and from the, I don't know, 205 to the 210 or the 31 or something. So he moved two other picks back, and that was all he had to do. Uh, and it's easy. like, yeah, it's an easy yes. And I was like, that's yeah. perfect. You did it. You know, but what's interesting about that is if you fast forward, um, if you fast forward six months, eight months, and we look at what Bijan is, and he's a let's say he's a solid RB1, like a he's like the RB eight on the season. Okay. There you go. Well, what if whomever you take at the 102 is Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, whatever. Let's say that they're starting to look like a quarterback that's going to be, you know, they could easily surpass him is what I'm getting at in value, right? You see what I'm saying? So it could easily be, oh, shit, this is Herbert Burrow. You know, I'm not saying they are that. I'm saying if if everybody kind of plays to their ability and you you get the the best of everybody – you know, it doesn't mean that um, Bijan, wherever he goes, is just automatically going to be the RB1 overall. But if he's a solid RB1, and if you know the quarterback that's taken at 102 is you know, the quarterback 14, that'd be amazing. For a rookie, you'd be like, oh my God, this guy's awesome. And, and, and his value would likely be higher than Bijan's at that point, which is why it's not just a slam dunk to go buy it. It's a slam dunk yeah. to sell it in a lot of ways because of yeah. those sort of changes in value. All that being said, shop it to everybody. Bijan 101, what are we looking for at the combine, Michael P. Duncan? I will tell you that I think he's, first of all, he's going to be perfect size. We all know that. Like, he's going to be like, you know, perfect size. But the thing I'm thinking is that I I don't think he runs 
you know, four five, four five two, four five five wouldn't even be a, a an, an upsetting number for me. He might be four four five, but I would be shocked if he's low four fours or four three nine like JT or something like that. I don't think that's coming from Bijan at all. I think he's closer to Javante Williams as an athlete than he is to Jonathan Taylor as an athlete in terms of pure acceleration and speed. And for that reason, I don't think he's Javante. I think he's somewhere in between, but closer that way. But he's, you know, he's just elite in terms of short area quickness and decision making and how he how he runs the football, which is what makes him elite. On top of that, he's the best pass catcher. So as long as he runs four five five or less or whatever, I won't be alarmed. If he runs a four six five or something like that, I'd be like, oh, that's not good. But I don't suspect that's the case. I don't think really anybody does. So four five, four five five, anywhere in there is acceptable. Anywhere above that, not so good. Anywhere below that is fine. But I'd be fine with Bijan anywhere in that spot. What say you, Mister P. Duncan? I'd actually be kind of worried. Like I. I'd be kind of worried if he ran faster than a four or five. Like mm. that might sound stupid, but like, yeah, that tells me that okay, he probably like. And this is the this is the tough part with the combine and the forty in general is people either train for it or they don't train for it. Sometimes they slim down, sometimes they don't, um, and that affects things like the forty time. And it's like. I worried is the wrong word, but like, I'm just, I, even if he runs really like a lot faster than I'm expecting, I'm not going to take anything from that. Cause it's like, right. what, what am I going to take from it? Right. It, it means he probably trained for it. And he like, you know, maybe his weight would be interesting to see like, okay, what, what did he weigh <laughs> right. when he did that? Like ultimately I don't really care. I, yeah. I don't know. I, no, I, there's, I there really are micro care. differences, but there yeah. are, you know, when we do the anatomy series. We see things that are indicative of, you know, uh, excuse me, an elite back, yeah. which is, of course, I'm, I'm a little sick. You can hear that. I'm coughing over here. Sorry, guys. But, um, you know, you, you get these things that are like indicative of an elite back and generally it's speed score. So as long as, you know, as long as, you know, as long as he's big enough and can run a four five, then it's fine. Like he's going to have an outstanding speed score. It's when you're light and slow. That's kind of a bad thing. At the 1.02, Things are changing right now because of this Anthony Richardson news, I think. But I had, I personally have it as C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, flip your coin, pick your guy, 102-103. If you literally can't make a choice, ask the 103 to trade with you and give you some profit and take whichever guy he doesn't. I love doing that when I'm literally in the tank. I did that with uh, you know Leonard Fournette to Joe Mixon to Dalvin Cook. I just traded down one, two, three times. Uh, one spot each time and then ended up with Dalvin and in that draft I remember that you know clearly it was one of the first times I'd ever done that move I just couldn't decide between the guys and I kept on picking up profit the profit I picked up probably didn't do anything but you know the point was I just felt better about you know not choosing uh so and and what's interesting is I would have taken Dalvin at the whatever it was the you know 103 instead of the 105 whatever so long story short that's what I think you got there and then I think at the 104 becomes a question, and it's a lot of people are saying it's it's uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba versus Jameer Gibbs. If I were drafting right now, it'd be JSN. And the reason is I think he has a much higher floor. And I think the, the Jameer Gibbs situation, Michael, is like uh, who knows what he weighs. That's a little bit of a question. So when we watch the combine, we're going to see Jameer Gibbs and his size. And it's I, I hear a lot of people all over the place with his size. 
look, I just want to see a BMI close to 30. I don't think he's going to be a, a 30 plus guy. Generally speaking, the anatomy shows that most of these elite running backs are 30 plus. A yeah. couple guys, Aaron Jones, um, Christian McCaffrey, have shown a little bit below that 30 threshold. What do those two backs have in common? Pass catching. So obviously that's yeah. exactly what Jameer Gibbs brings to the table. And for that reason, I'm okay if he's a little shy of that 30 BMI because I think his utilization as a pass catcher will be there. But if he is too slender, too light, 188 pounds or something like that, I would start to get a little worried. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to be fast and close and hopefully over 200 pounds. That's what I'll be looking for. Yeah, when you get into those like really like light, type of situations with running backs i mean it 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 scares you into because you know that they're talented but the 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 reality is that whether or not they're talented doesn't matter if they can't hold up right and you might not necessarily mean that you're going to see them get injured in the nfl but it probably if they're not getting injured it's probably be because they're not getting as many touches as yeah. a Jonathan Taylor or whatever. Yep. And like, yeah, there's very few Jonathan Taylors. But e- Even DeAndre Swift is a great example of that, Michael. Yeah. I mean, and DeAndre Swift does have the BMI, but somehow or another has... And look, they said it. I remember they said it, and we were talking about this, how they thought he was the 1B to the 1A of Jamal. And people were like, you're fucking yeah. stupid. He's the workhorse and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, look, I think he is. doesn't matter what you and I think, Mr. Guy arguing with me. I just said that they said it. And sure yeah. enough, they said it, and then they did it two years straight with DeAndre Swift. Now, he was injured. I know, I know, I know. There's all sorts of excuses we can make. But at the end of the day, the DeAndre Swift fate is what I, what scares me a little bit with um, with, with Jameer Gibbs. Another comp that he gets is the Alvin Kamara. Now, Alvin Kamara yeah. was 215 pounds. Let's not go there. But in terms of play style, and then on top of that, utilization. Let's not forget that Alvin Kamara was blessed to play with Drew Brees, the ultimate checkdown quarterback, who gave him what eighty-one catches four years straight or some shit, and he's never had a thousand-yard rushing season. Bingo. So unless, yeah, he had to get there with the reception. So again, Jameer Gibbs is that type of player. So landing spot, weight, a couple of these metrics will determine whether or not he's a you know a top four or sort of a mid to late first round first round rookie pick. Um, so keep an eye on that. And to your point, when Aaron Jones did it, when he was, you know, he still kind of is, but when he's in that top level of the running backs, he's doing it through touchdowns a lot of the time, receiving work, yep, and boom games. Yep. He also had a lot of bust games. Yep. I mean, he wasn't yeah. a consi- he's he's never really been a consistent uh, fantasy running back in the way that you know you would see Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, those kind of guys. Exactly. Absolutely. So, you know, that that's where I'm at. And and then it comes down to, you know, I said JSN. I tweeted uh, today or whenever the fuck I said something like uh, uh, Addison might be the, um, you know, the, the wide receiver one. A lot of people are sleeping on him. Look, I just think he's really good. Um, and I think when it comes down to it, I think JSN has the I said this. I think he has the highest floor. I think he's just really going to be a, a slot technician and a guy who earns targets in the NFL one way or the other. He can beat man. He can beat zone. So, you know, he's just a real, you know, slick weapon. He also had a gigantic season alongside Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. That yeah. stands for something. Um, it really does. Like, that is a huge feather in the cap. So, for him to go out and earn targets in and among those two studs, 
says a lot. So JSN, for those reasons, if you want him as your wide receiver one, you have no arguments from me. But Quentin Johnston. Johnston. Yep. Johnston. Johnston. Quentin Johnston. I can say these words. Johnston. Johnston. Yep. There you go. Who's Quentin Johnson then? Uh, Rampage Jackson. He's a defensive back. Okay. All right. I'm getting all my guys confused. Jordan Addison also right there. I think that's the top three. And I think right after that little spot, you got to make some decisions. You know, if you're sitting with the 105, 106, 107, that's where you start to have the Gibbs, JSN, Addison, Quentin, Johnston. But now you also have to really be thinking about this Anthony Richardson and where he fits into all this. I had him a couple of spots down, but now the way that they're talking, my goodness, you really have to start thinking about him right there at the 102, 103, 104. He's just in the mix if he's going to be drafted at the top of the first round. So my goodness, that's going to be very, very interesting as to what you should do. Again, these quarterbacks in Superflex, super valuable. So, you know, it's going to be a leap of faith with 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 um, with Richardson. Uh, with Addison, he's light. Um, and I don't know how light, hopefully he's 180 plus, you know, if he comes in super light, I mean, it's not the end of the world. I mean, we've seen it with Devonte Smith. He really reminds me a bit of Devonte in terms of how he wins. He can win everywhere. Uh, probably even a, a little bit more of an underneath sort of, they give him carries and stuff like that. He is a, he yeah. is a really exceptional player, Jordan Addison. So he's going to be a guy that in the middle of the first round, you know, 107, 108, if he's still sitting there, you are more than welcome to go ahead and push the button on a guy like Jordan Addison. I think Quentin I has the him, high, Go ahead, please. If he lands in a spot similar to where Devonta <clears throat> Smith is this year, yeah. uh, not so much last year where he was the alpha. Uh, right. Of necessity, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I see what you mean. Not great passing offense. But if he lands in like a, you know, drafted late in the first round type of thing, early second round, behind an A.J. Brown, you know, maybe less, you know, he's, he's going to have more yards. Dallas. Ha- yeah, he's not going to have as many receptions type of thing. Um, I think that could actually be ideal for him. Uh, you know, I it'd be interesting at the very least. And I'm not, uh, he's the type of guy that I'm not going to be scared away if he lands somewhere where there's already an alpha. Yeah, I, I tend, I tend to agree. I don't think he needs to be that. Uh, but it, it, you know, it, all the landing spots are always super like, you know, they're, they're super difficult to predict. So we're not going to try and do that, but I get what you're saying. Um, you know, if he lands opposite Justin Jefferson or whatever, I'm not worried. It's like, Oh, that's great. Yeah. He'll be fine. You know, he'll get all sorts of looks. Um, you know, after that, I think, Buffalo. Oof, yeah, sorry. I, we're, we're getting, we're, no, that's dude. closer to the draft, closer to the draft. So, that's a good one. Actually, right now. I know that's great. I, I know. it's going to be so much fun. This is the thing though. You're doing it though. You're doing the thing. I know. Like, it's, it's, it's so fun. much fun. It's, so, yeah, of it's, course fun, it's fun to play matchmaker with all. I think guys. he's going to go early though. I, I, I would guess I think the, the wide receivers are going to fly off the board. I think, ah, uh, see, I don't, I'm torn. I, I, I'm, I'm really torn because the, the draft is deep at other positions. Yeah. At least, you know, from what I understand, um, and the, uh, I don't know. Everything that I've gathered me says the NFL does not love this wide receiving class. Maybe mm. you're right. Maybe that makes them fly off at the beginning. And like, you know, you grab the couple good ones early and then you don't see anyone for a while. But I don't think it's going to be like the last few years we've had drafts where, you know, they're going all throughout the first round and early in the second round. I don't think it's going to be one of those at all. You know, I, I like to look at, I think there's uh grinding the mocks and then there's another one, NFL mock draft database. 
basically the same type of software, which basically just takes all the mock drafts that are out there. They weight uh, expert mocks more than sort of non-expert mocks, but they're all into the database. And then that's how they determine, you know, sort of an average draft position for these players. And right now, uh, at least at NFL mock draft database, and this is obviously going to change after the, the, um, the combine, there are one, two, three, four, five first round wide receivers. And they have at 14, Quentin Johnson, Johnston, sorry, at 15, Jordan Addison, 19, Jackson Smith and Jigba, 26, Jalen Hyatt, 27, Zay Flowers. That's five. Josh Downs, Kayshawn Boutte are 47 and 56, so a little bit further down. Um, I think, whatever, we'll get there. But um, So those top three, that Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, top 20 picks, at least according to these mocks, you know, you could, if you want to play the the game, you know, somewhere in the 14-15 range, if you start looking, well, the Jets pick 13, no. Uh, Houston picks 12, they could do something. Tennessee at 11 could do something. Philadelphia is not going to. This is, you know, right, 10 is Philly, 11 Tennessee. Carolina is not going to be doing Right, so then you start to get to the 14. 14 is New England. They could yeah. certainly draft a wide receiver, that's for sure. Green Bay, yup. No, Washington probably not. What what's that? Green Bay is going to draft a quarterback. Oh my god, dude. Please. I I would I would love that. Twitter they, if Twitter they, hadn't hasn't died uh, by then, it'll die that night. They got a lot of fire under Jordan Love just like they did to Aaron Rodgers. What a brilliant worked. move. Hey, he won back-to-back MVPs. It That's worked. the move. They've done it before. I, they need to do it again. To. That's a great point, Michael. It P. worked Duncan. so well with Carson Wentz in Philly, too. True. This is Wait, the move. What? You draft the fire lighter. This is the way. I mean, it's a copycat league. Incredible. So good. I can't wait. That's going to be great. Um, But New England, Green Bay, Washington, Pittsburgh, Detroit. You know, I mean, it's really it's a catbird seat for Green Bay and New England. They both could take a wide receiver there. Um, You know, and of course, New England will take the wrong one. Whoever they take. Whomever they take, it'll be the wrong one. I guarantee it. They always do that. It'll probably be like Zay Flowers. It First will be Zay Flowers, and it's going to be just the wrong fucking guy. It's yeah. going to be terrible. I can't – I don't even want to talk about it. But um, <clears throat> but that's whereabouts they're, they're probably going to go. So if you talk to – you know, talk about Jordan Addison to New England or Quentin Johnson to Green Bay, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I think Jordan Love is probably a short-lived guy. I think, you know, he helps them get to, you know, an opportunity for Caleb uh, next year. Everybody mm-hmm. hates it when I say that, but eat it. Because I think it's I think it's definitely in play. He's a bottom five quarterback in the NFL, so obviously he gives him a chance. Um, but I think that's where you're going to see some of those landing spots is right in that middle of that first. Um, you know, it, look, it's possible you get teams up top. Um, you know, uh, Vegas, Atlanta. Yeah, Vegas. You know, Vegas. Was one that was, I was thinking about right? depending that's on what they want, depending on what they do a quarterback. Right. Yeah. Exactly. If they yeah. sign. You know, a guy, a shit bag like Derek Carr. They could sign Derek Carr. He's available. They could. They could. Um, Anyway. That is is definitely a possibility. Yeah. Woof. So, you know, after that, it gets a little bit interesting with, you know, Boutte and Downs, as we talked about, and Zay Flowers. Um, You know, that's great. And then what's what I find totally interesting is if you just do that with the, the sort of the first round of a rookie draft, and then if we turn around and we look at the running backs. I made a list 
of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine, maybe more, nine or ten running backs after that first two that could go that that could be basically next on the board. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, or a third round pick. Like these guys are really gonna be affected by the combine and the draft. Zach Charbonnet, who I think is yep. probably pretty well locked into the number three spot. I do also think that he's going to see draft capital. So, you know, Zach Charbonnet is going to be, you know, sort of a, a one-two turn running back, maybe late first round running back. I think almost no doubt about it. In the NFL draft? Or no, 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 draft? no. In oh, a rookie okay, draft. Okay, Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yes. No. Have me worried there for a sec. Yeah, no, 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 no. He's going to be second, third, you know, second or third round, probably third round, early third. I mean, it's it's likely going to be Bijan in the first, maybe hardly any running backs in the second. Little game of chicken, I think, you know, because there's a lot, of, like you said, there's a lot of good players at other positions, and there's so yeah. much depth at running back. Like, even if you're like, I couldn't imagine being the first one to take a running back in the second round. Like, I just, if I were an NFL team, like, why would I do that? Yeah. Wow. There's 10 guys I like. I'll just wait. Colts get... with Jonathan Taylor, they trade off for him. I What's that? Edward Delaire had already gone. I'm just thinking about a couple years ago. Jonathan yeah. Taylor got traded up for. Clyde Edward Delaire had already gone, though. <laughs> that was a. That well, was they, a they did it for Javante in the early yep. second round, but I think those were like end of a tier. You know, it's like for yeah. me, Jonathan Taylor was a tier of his own in that draft. And, yeah. you know, but there was actually depth behind that, too. The. Dobbins, Akers, you know, yep. Gibson. There was a ton of guys there, but not like this draft, you know, where it's Charbonnet, Roshan Johnson, Kendra Miller. I love Tajay Spears, bro. Tajay Spears is going to be a real player in the NFL, I think. I mean, geez, Louise, this guy's a name impressive. like that. I'm in. I mean, exactly. That's, just, yep. that's a great name. Uh, yep. Honestly, I think it's more like, I think it's more of a linebacker name, but running back. Yeah, it is. Spears, Spearing. I might be thinking of Spike. Was Spikes. Tajay Spike? Uh, no, it uh, wasn't Tajay. Um, Whatever his name, Spikes. Yeah, Brandon. Takeo Spikes. Takeo Spikes and Brandon Spikes. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Devin A-Chain, Zach Evans, Sean Tucker, Dwayne McBride, Izzy Abanacanda. Like, there's just a ton of guys. I mean, Tank Bigsby, that's 10. You know, Kenny McIntosh, people like. Eric Gray. I like Evan Hull. That's 14 or whatever. Like, it gets pretty deep. So those guys are going to be separated. It's not like they're all going to go in the second and third round. Some of these guys are going to slip to the fourth and fifth. Some, Some of them are going to be seventh round drafted. Right. It's just yeah. crazy. So, you know, I do think a lot of those guys are going to get pretty close to third round draft capital. Um, you know, I, I do think there'll be a little bit of a run once they start coming off the board. Um, but all those backs are going to be very, you know, I say very. They're going to be landing spot dependent. And, you know, you're going to see a guy get drafted, you know, like you say, behind Jonathan Taylor, whatever the case. You know, all the different spots that, you know, aren't going to seem like a good landing spot. And it's going to bury them in your rookie draft. And, you know, of course, that's where one thing I had talked about with uh, Chalk uh, in terms of draft strategy. I think it's like once those wide receivers are gone, the top, honestly, you know, like six or seven, like I'm not drafting deep in a wide receiver. I'm getting them early. And then from then on, it's just, I'm just taking shots at running back. And apparently at tight end, I don't know if you heard there's, I there's love some, taking shots at tight end. That's buddy, like there's my a, favorite. My favorite pastime is taking shots at tight end. It's unbelievable. I, I take like one or two every year in like the third, fourth, fifth round. I love it. I don't think there's anything that gives me quite the high of taking whatever shit tight end is just there. And he's like the second one taken. 
and then he does nothing in three years. Nothing gives me the high, quite the high of that. I love it. So Daniel Jeremiah said there's like 10 or 11. This is ridiculous. I don't even, this doesn't even make sense to me, but but whatever, I'm going to repeat it. It sounds so stupid coming out of my mouth. I can't believe they say it. 10 or 11 tight ends in this draft that have a uh, first or second, maybe even first through third. I think it was first through third round grade. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot. I, I've looked at this every year. You know, in the first two, two uh, first um, uh, three rounds, day one and day two of the NFL draft, honestly, there's usually like five tight ends yeah. taken. Like, you know, sometimes three, sometimes seven, but like kind of like four, five, six tight ends taken in day one and day two. So to say there's maybe 11, I think that's a bit of hyperbole, but there, I guess there could be more than normal. You could have that many with the grade. doesn't mean they're going to get taken. Yeah, there. sure. I guess, but you know, well, because if there's if there's four teams that say that they want to draft, like, because that's significant draft capital for a tight end. Yes, it is. If there's only if there's not that many teams that are going to put that draft capital forward. You're just going to get good players in the like. I think this is kind of almost the opposite of running back in the way where it's like I'm not scared when a tight end I like is drafted in like on day three necessarily because right. there's not that many teams that you're just not going to see them. You don't have to. You don't have right. to put forth the effort unless it's a guy. Unless it's unless you think you're getting like a Dallas Goddard or something in the second round. Like, yeah, yeah. I I don't see I don't see that happening. Um, but I, I stranger things have happened. But you know, right now the the sort of mock draft database has you know one, two, three, four, five, six players going in the top one hundred at the tight end position. I think that's probably more like it. I think six, you know, maybe there'll be seven or something, but to say there's 11, that is a, that's a lot of, that's deep. Um, Certainly the, the tight end that I like the most as of right this moment is Dalton Kincaid. Why? Because we play fantasy and fantasy is how many catches and yards and touchdowns you get, not how good a blocker you are. There are some better all around tight ends, I think, than Dalton Kincaid. But I think he's the best pure receiving tight end. And for that reason, I'd be more than happy to let someone else take Michael Mayer and for me to just take Dalton Kincaid later. Um, it almost always happens this way, too, where the chalk, um, you know, number one tight end is almost never the best one in the class. George Kittle, you know, uh, Tra- Travis Kelsey, you know, Dallas Goddard. None of these guys were drafted first in their draft class. You know, I know Hawkinson was, but most of these guys are not. So generally speaking, you know, it's not like draft capital matters in in terms of like the order is always correct. It does matter to some degree, but even Kittle and Kelsey were not day one or day two picks. Very true. Very, very true. Yep. So tight end is a little bit more, you know, you know, you're right to take shots at them. And, you know, the best time, too, is like, you know, a lot of these, you know, sort of these guys that Jeremiah is talking about are going to be like forgotten you know if there's 11 of them there's not 11 that are going to be drafted in the four rounds of your rookie draft that means there's going to be maybe seven or eight there's going to be three or four guys that are worthwhile to be picked up on your waiver wire after the draft stored on taxi put on the back of your bench you know if you have room you can just pick those guys up later you don't even and it's definitely smart to do that because those are the types of guys that could be the you know look george kittle i guarantee you was not drafted in every like 
rookie draft. You know, if he was, he was picked up and dropped or whatever. And you know, it's just how it goes, you know. So same thing with Kelsey. I think he was awful his first year. So these guys are are available either via trade or whatever. So you can usually find a way. It's like um, what's the kid from uh, from Indianapolis who's probably good? Who am I talking about? Um, I don't think you're talking about Mo Ali Cox. You're talking no. about the guy who He's, was drafted a year or two ago. Yeah, Jelani Woods. Yeah. <clears throat> like, you can trade for Jelani Woods for nothing. And it's, I'm not saying he is good, but it's possible he's good. And so these guys are easily attainable if you want to add them, you know, even after their draft class. You know, you could easily, especially on the clock, you know, <laughs> easily sell a third-round pick and get Jelani Woods. Not to say that you should. I'm just saying someone would happily give you the pick you're about to pick Tank Bigsby with for Jelani Woods. So, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like they're easy to attain. You know, not that you should do that, but moving on. Give me a question. All right, a question from our bucket of questions. Bucket. Um, yeah, bucket seemed like a nice. A nice. All right, this, is, this goes right along with what we were talking about. Should fourth-round draft capital count like day two draft capital for this year's running back class. So many good running backs could force teams to wait longer than in other years. Right. So this is very similar to kind of what you had already been talking about. And I feel like we're going to disagree on this one. Hmm. Uh, yes, is my answer because I think that, you know, I, I had sent the tweet, the first, you know, the second round is the new first round for running backs. The third round is a new second round for running backs. The fourth round is a new four, third round for running back, so forth and so on. It was, you know, the, uh, Bart Simpson writing on the chalkboard just kept going. And I think that's true, you know, because the position is devalued. You know, the league has sort of wised up to this. So you have, look, fewer and fewer first round running backs. It, it's just the way it goes. So we're seeing, you know, um, the, the, the position be pushed down, but they're still utilized on the field. So, yeah, we saw it with Damian Pierce. We saw it with Tyler Algier. We saw it with Ramondre Stevenson. We saw it with Elijah Mitchell. We've seen these day three Ramondre backs. Wasn't a fourth, Ramondre Stevenson, was he a fourth round pick? Whatever. Don't correct me when I'm on a roll like I'm this. This is saying, ridiculous. I'm hey, what about um Bam Knight? You know, so Zonovan Knight, same type of thing. You know, we've seen a lot of these guys, you know, Aaron Jones famously. I mean, there's a lot of them. And so the, the, I think, yeah, I, I, I do think at least to some degree, if a team invests, especially early in that fourth round, just like Houston did with um, with Damian Pierce, they took him over Isaiah Spiller. So they yeah. took him with purpose. You know, there was a supposed, you know, player on the board that was supposed to be good. And they were like, no, 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 this is our guy. So and they used him. And so the same thing with Algier, they got him opportunity. So, yeah, I do think, I mean, landing spot matters a little bit. Your sort of pre-draft, you know, evaluation matters a little bit. Um, You know, like I'm terrified of Deuce Vaughn just because he's so small, so it doesn't matter where he gets drafted. I'd probably hands off. But, like, if Kendra Miller somehow slips to the fourth round and he's drafted by Denver, I'll be like, yeah, fucking let's – like. What, what's the problem? Let's go. You know, Javante could be hurt. This guy could have a backfield to himself. Like, I'm ready. I'm taking Kendra Miller. He's going to be good. So, yeah, this is the type of thing that for sure uh, it, 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 I do think the fourth round is like the, the, the new third round. What do you think? I, you've convinced me a little bit. I'm, I'm a oh, little bit that. more. Well, so, yeah, so Ramondre was a fourth-round pick because uh, I know whenever I listen to a podcast and they question something, I'm screaming yeah. the answer until yes. I, I assume that they hear me. Yeah, Ramondre <laughs> was a fourth-round pick. Um, so what you're overall, saying is I was right, right again. 
you you were right about a single fact about your favorite team. Mm. Congrats. That's one way to put um, it. But uh, like looking back, just even the last three years, there hasn't been like there's been. It depends on what you're wanting out of that third round of or fourth round running back. Because right. a lot of the names that you're seeing, like Ramondre Stevenson is probably the best of the bunch in the past three years. Then you've got names like Josh Kelly. He looked like a hit for all of 10 minutes. I was going to say maybe a minute. Exactly. I, I've managed to put him in a package to get a first round pick. So um, this is still one of the better trades I've ever done. Don't ask me if I ended up winning a championship. Doesn't matter. Uh, but then you've got like Kenny Inagwu, Michael Carter. Michael Carter looked like a hit for two minutes, and that's awesome. Um, Chuba Hubbard. Like, it, it, it's very much, in my opinion, like it's these guys that are they worth having on your roster? Absolutely. Because, you know, best case scenario, I think it's best case scenario right away, it's Michael Carter. You're getting a guy who's walking into the star, into the starting role. But fourth round draft capital and third round draft capital, it doesn't matter if, you know, if the second round is the new first round and all that kind of stuff, because teams still don't value a fourth round running back the way that they would value someone they took in the third round when they're looking at future opportunity and whatever, because the money you have to pay them is not the same. It's it's still the James Robinson conundrum of it doesn't matter how good he is because we have nothing invested of you. If they see a Brees Hall yes. sitting there in the second round two two years later, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, matter eviscerated. how good Michael Carter has looked. Elijah um, Mitchell, all this. Yeah, I agree exactly. with this. This is this is a good take. Damian Pierce is fragile for those reasons, right? Yeah. He's not insulated by anything other than his play, and he could easily be, you know, uh, usurped. There's always new coaches, and the you know yep. whoever drafted this guy is not the you know the the the, the guy who drafted this guy happens in Houston. I mean, so you know you're going to see that happen, you know, pretty consistently that that will be the case, and for those reasons, they're not insulated, but they are opportunities. I did see someone sell Damian Pierce for 23 first, right? You know, yeah. I saw that. Um, you know, it happened all over the place. So, you know, if you can pick a few of those guys and you pick the right one, you don't even need to play them. You can just immediately flip them for profit and continue to do that. It's very, very difficult, near impossible to do that with a wide receiver from the fourth round. Um, you know, so I guess just there's to, only a just- couple of fourth round hits at wide receiver and I'm on Raw is a big one, but after that, like the you start to get into like Gabe Davis territory where it's not like they're hit hits. They're just sort of like, oh, okay. So so I guess to kind of finalize my thought and finish my thought process is it's one thing if you have them on your roster, but don't use the fourth round, meaning that it's now the third round, as a reason to draft them high in your rookie draft. Trey okay. Sermon was a third round pick. And look at where he went in most rookie drafts. Like he was going high. Don't use the fourth. The fourth round should not mean, oh, okay, that's basically the third round. I can take him at the end of my first round of my rookie draft or something like that. Like that's the that's the mindset that I'm trying to take away from it. Is don't let that inflate his value in a rookie draft. Just kind of keep it in the back of your mind of like, yeah, they can be successful, but it's still it's still not likely like it, it's still just well, not likely it's Ramondre Stevenson versus 10 other guys that did nothing for more than a game or two. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that though, as we get a lot closer to the, to the NFL draft and, and, and after the NFL draft in terms of which players we think are good, because that did matter. You know, we did say Ramondre was good, right? We had guys like Felix Sharp and, 
and you know we got to Ramondre on this on this pod, right? We were right yeah. about that. We're we're now talking about Roshan Johnson and um, you know and Kendra Miller, right? These are the guys. So if somehow or another Roshan goes early fourth and he's in a somewhat of a good spot, I'm all in. If you're talking but you about, have, but you didn't you, have to take Ramondre at the end of the first round. Exactly. No, no, of course not. That's my yeah. point, you know. And so, yeah. but here's the thing: I would, I, I, zero shares, zero cares. Uh, Trey Sermon never thought. I yeah. never drafted him. I literally, I remember that draft. I was hoping someone would take Trey Sermon so that mm-hmm. it would knock down Elijah Moore or Jalen Waddle or, as I say all the time, Terrace Marshall. Pour one out to me, and and it did. It would just I remember that. You know, yeah, those guys would just would fall to me, and I was so excited to get one of those wide receivers. That ended up being, in my opinion, I think Elijah's a buy right now, but that's a sidebar. Um, and, and so all those wide receivers fell to me. Trey Sermon was not a guy I was targeting as a early second round running back. I just never saw that. Um, you know, obviously I liked Elijah Mitchell a lot better as a player. So my pre-draft, you know, um, you know, evaluation played a part in not overspending for a player that I thought got overdrafted. At some point, Trey Sermon would have been a value for me, but not where he was going. So as the, you know, hail to the king, I don't hate players. I hate ADPs. And so at this particular point, that's what we are trying to figure out. And what I think right now is a unique draft class at running back where I think there's a lot of, you know, parity. So, you know, a lot of these guys are good. I think Eric Gray is a good player. I think Roshan's a good player. I think Sean Tucker's a good player. I think Tank Bigsby's fine. Like, you know, Zach Evans could be good. Like, you know, I, I, there's a lot of good players here. You know, you get down to Izzy Abanacanda. I think he's an absolute lightning in a bottle. Like, this kid could be electric, especially in the right, you know, in the right scheme and system. Um, you know, Dwayne McBride. I love Evan Hull. Um, Keaton Mitchell is small, but he's been, you know, pretty exciting. So there's talent, you know, throughout that is closer together than it was in the past. So, you know, if one of these guys goes in the seventh round, it's like, well, fucking pour one out. It's Jamar Jefferson, Kylan Hill again. But if they get that fourth round capital, it, it I think it still keeps them in, in the game. I know there can be guys, you know, undrafted and, you know, even Elijah Mitchell, I think it was a sixth round pick. I get, I get all that. But in general, I still think that fourth round is still fairly important capital for these teams as they're, as they're evaluating, Hey, this is a guy we need. They're prioritizing running back in that zone is what I guess I'm getting at. Yeah, and I I don't think we actually disagree. I guess what I'm just trying to say specifically to the person that asked the question is don't let them being drafted in the fourth round make you reach for them in a draft. That's right. That's that's the point I'm trying to make is even if you like them as a player, like that doesn't mean they should be vaulting up your boards because they got drafted in the fourth round. I would be looking at it as they got drafted in the fourth round. Great. I can still draft them Yeah. because you're right. Like if it's like seventh round, it's like, all right, well, they're dead. Like we're gonna be out. we're gonna be looking at all that uh, and more as we get closer. What's next? Uh, next up, we already talked a little bit about that. Um, favorite twenty twenty two player that you are flipping for twenty twenty three draft picks. So another way to put that, out of all of last year's rookies, who do you see as a I guess a sell? And when you're hoping to, you know, build up some stock, and I'm assuming early 2023 draft picks. Yeah, a couple names come to mind. I, I think one is George Pickens. As, as much as I love George Pickens, I, I really do. I, like as a football player, you know, I fucking yeah. love this dude. 
you know? And I think he's going to be a solid, solid pro. I think he's going to be a really good player for a long period of time. I'm I'm not even really worried about that. <clears throat> so I'm not selling him to panic. I'm just selling on the value. I don't know that he's going to be an elite fantasy producer. And for that, it's possible. It's possible. He, he, he takes a DeAndre Hopkins-like, uh, you know, ascension. You know, A.J. Green in that sort of, you know, outside winner. What's that? AJ Green was so good his rookie year. He's not AJ Green. You know what I mean? But like, no, I know. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's possible that he he reaches some sort of loft, uh, lofty heights uh, as an outside player. It's possible. I I get that, but I think it's more likely that he's just a really solid, solid player and never really reaches super duper heights as a fantasy producer. But he's always just like, dude, that dude is such a dog. What a great player. Big plays here and there, like you know, because he'll go up and get it. But he w- he had to make a lot of contested catches. He was covered a little bit more than I think people liked, and I just don't see him as a volume play in the NFL. That being said, I think a lot of people are seeing him as you know sort of ascending right now. And if you can get you know a first round pick, even a late one, I think it's probably a good time to cash in for you know uh, George Pickens. And then the other guy, look, I really am. You know, I really like Christian Watson. You know, we had Thor Nystrom on the pod early on at the Senior Bowl last year, and we were talking about Christian Watson. He loved him. He thought he was outstanding. He really is outstanding. So unless it's, you know, a premium pick, I'm talking, you know, it's got to be like top half of the first round. I would consider selling Christian Watson just because of, you know, he's a he's going to – I don't think he's a volume play either. He's a big play player and, and a good offense. Imagine Christian Watson in the Gabe Davis role. Whew, like – you know, he's just so much better, you know, but, but again, he's a little bit more in that prototype where, you know, boom bust. Um, and with Jordan love, you could see a little bit of regression. So I think I'd rather just trade him in for the surefire version, top half of the first round pick and go from there. Yeah. So the big one for me is, uh, sky Moore. I was never fully bought in on good him luck in the last year. I, well, the hope there is that, someone was watching the Chiefs playoff yeah. where he was surprisingly involved. Yeah. I don't Yeah, if you think can get a you... second round pick for him, I think that's great. Yeah. A 2023 and, and... second would be amazing. Yeah, I like I would do that. And Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it does feel a little bit sell low, but I don't know if it's going to get much higher. I've made the mistake in the past of holding on to guys that I really liked. Yeah. Thinking that like not selling. Uh who God, I can't. The fact that I can't remember the dude's name. Well, I just yeah. Right the, now. The, the, who, the pain the Jets wide therapy from a few years ago. Uh, it was the Jalen Rager year. Dotson. Um, Josh no, Dotson. That no. oh Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of those. Yeah. That was and you're mistake. always better off selling immediately when they don't yep. fire. Like yep. that's the best way out. So it's yep. a great call. Like even if you can get a 23 third, it may not be a bad trade because you may not be able to get that. You can't get, get that like for Denzel Mims. Four second, yeah. twenty four second. Like, I, I, I just, I don't. I'm not. Maybe, maybe that's. Maybe I'm giving up too quickly no. on a guy that's connected to Patrick Mahomes with no, no other feasible targets on the roster outside of Travis Kelsey. Like, I see the argument for it, but those yes. are the arguments of why I'm hoping someone is still willing to pay for him. But you're going to get um, a player like that in the second round of either yeah. draft, anyhow. You know, you're going to get yeah. a replica 
of him anyway. You're going to get a Zay Flowers or something who could just end up being way better. And if they do the same thing that he does, you can flip him again. You know, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's the right oh, move yeah. to sort of, you know, rinse it off and, and give it to somebody else and, yep. you know, get a brandy new one and see what see what happens. Yeah, if you can, if you can do that for a second, I think that's fine. Um, sunk cost corollary you can't really think of. You just have to look at it. Yeah, that, that's, that's what, you know, I, I mean. To get better at. Very absolutely bad sunk cost. No, fuck it. You know what I mean? And and Chalk and I were talking about it. it's super hard to do because you're like, no, dude, I, I liked him and I, I picked him eighth in the – you know, all these stupid yep. things that have no relevance to what's going to happen in the future and what you could possibly get for him and whether or not that's a sinking ship or not. So, yeah, I think Sky Moore is a good one, especially if you can get it. And, and look, if you can buy Sky Moore and you want to buy him for a 24 third, well, go right ahead. I guess that's yeah. fine too. So somewhere in there, the, he's a buy and a sell, I guess. But, I, yeah, I'd definitely be more looking to sell off than than to invest. Um, Two other quick names real quick. Go for it. Um, Damian Pierce, I think if you can get a yeah. ransom for him, you do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. I don't think I really need to explain myself there. Yep. Um, he's a fourth-round rookie. We just talked about 24 that. first. Make it happen. The other one, and I don't know how you're going to feel about this one, is Rashad White. Yeah, Leonard Fournette is he? Wait, was he officially cut or is yep. he likely to be cut? He cut. did get cut. Yep. Okay, I couldn't remember if I read that he was. Yeah, I think cut. they announced it, but like maybe it's not official because it's like a certain yeah, date or whatever. But he's cut. Yeah, Post July, yeah. whatever. March um, or whatever. No, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's cut. Um. Yeah. <clears throat> so I can see the appeal of Rashad White, but honestly, like, if if someone isn't scared off by the fact that Tom Brady retired and this offense looked like a train wreck last year, last year with him. And yeah. then on top of the fact, like, okay, Leonard Fournette is gone. It should all go to Rashad white. I don't really know if I care if it all goes to Rashad white, to be honest. Um, I, yeah, who is their quarterback? I, I yeah. think it could be an absolute train wreck. And I think there are people out there that will see Leonard Fournette leaving as a, Oh baby, I'm going to go buy low on Rashad white. Try and get a decent price for him. I think I'd do that in a heartbeat. There's a lot of different outcomes. Certainly if it's Kyle Trask and they, you know, trade away like Mike Evans and like they are totally rebuilding and tanking, it's not going to be a great year for Rashad White. Uh, And and so I bought him in a spot where I I think I got, I gave up J.K. Dobbins and I got Rashad White and like the 2.03 or something in this draft. Interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting move, isn't it? Um, I don't think I like that. I know a lot of people won't. I do. Um, You know, I love Dobbins. Uh, He still doesn't catch passes and he's awesome. One of my favorite players, just so you know, I fucking love J.K. Rashad White could have a decently productive year this year, but I also think that you're right. Whereas is this, if this is like a rebuilding kind of tanking kind of year, how often do you see running backs survive that? Yeah. Like I, 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 off the top of my head, I can't think of running backs that often. Well, running backs don't survive anything. So well, true, true. it's no, it is. It's true. And and you look at it, you just like I did this little like this little research where you just it, just do this one time, like go back to like the 2014 draft and look at the wide receivers. There's probably some still in the league right now. You look at yeah. the running backs you're like, oh, dude, those guys are old. They're in the same fucking class. You go to 15. You're like, none of those running backs are still playing. Like they're all dead. And you're like, oh, look, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, he's fucking good. You know what I mean? Like you just go down and like. They're all dead. All the running backs are dead. They're all they, you, none you of them survive Mike anything. Evans. You picked Mike Evans's draft class, by the way. Bingo. Mike yeah. Evans is still fucking thousand yard. Like he's he's still valuable. And if you look at the running backs in that class, just name them. They're awful. They're dead. Every one of them. 
Yeah, I'm looking. Are you looking for, at it? Yeah, I'm looking for one right now. There, this was not a year where one was drafted high. It wasn't even <laughs> one in the first round. Uh, so, we, to be fair, we did not pick a good running back year. Um, fair enough, but oh, to, to the point, you know, it's like Bishop Sankey. Yeah, well, that, think about that. To be fair, Mike he was Evans, gone in like is that 10 true? Minutes. Is that true that Mike Evans and Bishop Sankey were drafted in the same draft? Yeah, that, that, that's all you need to know, Devontae really. Adams. I mean. Uh, yeah, Devon Beckham Jr., it, Jeremy Hill, go. Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde has been nine. You see what I'm saying? For about ten years. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like running backs are, you know, this running back fragility is real. So the idea that you know any of them are going to like make it through is no, none of them are going to. So I'd rather just keep shuffling them off, and I'll sell Rashad White for Kenny Gainwell in the 2.07 or whatever. I, I, I'll keep Ooh, doing Kenny this. Like Gainwell I'm fine. Very interesting this year. You know what I'm saying? I, fill in name. No, no, I, I like give no, me whatever I like name. That. Like I don't care who it is, and because right now the, the the running back position is super scary. You know, the, there were teams last year. I went into it and I had like, you know, I had Javante, um, JT, maybe Acres and Dobbins. What? And you look and you go, it didn't. Fu- it's all bad. That's all terrible. Like I didn't win shit. You know, you could have a team with Saquon, Kamara, Dalvin, didn't win. Like, yep. you you're, you think you're stacked at running back, and then you're just all of a sudden not. But that never really happens there, in wide receivers. You know, if you, if you, in, yeah. There was a dude in my league who, from like, this is like our fifth year, he finally won the championship. He's yeah. had Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley their entire careers, and right. he's made the playoffs once before now. There you go. And it's because yeah. one of them was always hurt. Like, and those are the good ones. You know, those are the yeah, guys no, who those, actually did get those to the second Those are guys that are both arguably have been top 10 dynasty running <laughs> yeah. backs for the past five years. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, you got to really be careful with the running back position. Um, and, and that's what I've been learning. And that's something that I think as a dynasty player, it's so hard to do because you look, first of all, the running backs are what make your team look dope. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. look at that. You know, you start there, you look, oh, boy, got them all. Got CMC, Derrick Henry, whatever it is. Like, the year I traded for CMC and Derrick Henry in the listener league, they immediately both got hurt. And I was like a shit team and had yep. to sell them off. And like, I don't know, that team's a train wreck now. Cause I invested a couple of first round picks that I had stockpiled to get those guys. And they, it just didn't work out. So look, I, I've tried to do some things a little bit different with the running back position. Um, and, and it doesn't work. The best way that I know how is to really sort of churn it and sell at the top and, just keep on moving, keep on moving them, you know, just move them, get them off your team. Once they've done something for you, move them on. Damian Pierce, sell them. Tyler Algier, sell them. Absolutely. Like it, I'm not saying that they're not going to be good. I'm just saying that something's going to happen to most of them. You know, it's going to suck. I don't know how, but it's going to, they're going to pop an ACL. James Robinson. James Robinson, right? I mean, the list goes on. The list goes on, and and it's like you know we had that conversation about James Robinson. Never once was it a player take. Never once, even though I said he's going to get eviscerated. Never once that I was like James Robinson sucks. Not once. It's never about the player. You know I don't know what's going to happen to Rashad White or J.K. Dobbins or Kenny Gainwell, but I'll, I'll just t- I'd rather have more shots, right? So I'd rather have the two hundred five, or I'm going to get I don't know, you know Charbonnet or A Chain yeah. or. You, I don't know. Tell me who I'm going to get. I don't know. Just tell me. It's fine. I'll take those two guys, Roshan and 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 Rashad over just J.K. Dobbins because now at least I've got two guys that might be good uh, on a given week. You know. Yeah, I I agree. It's 
it's not a good feeling. It's never a good feeling. Um, but like I, I have handled the running back. So in my longest running dynasty league, I've handled the running back position pretty poorly since the startup draft. But because in the startup draft, I treated the wide receiver position as the most important thing. I still have most of those wide receivers on my team. Right. I've been competitive every year and I've been fumbling through running backs for the most part. Um, but those wide receivers are what kept have kept me afloat year after year after year. Like they allow me to just set it, forget it as That's much right. as you can for dining. I mean, you have to pick the right ones. I picked the right ones. Sure. Um, yeah. There's a few, there's a few busts. There's the Nikhil Harry, Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims. Like every year there's someone yeah. who's going to break your heart. Uh, Sky Moore feels like I'm liking a lot of these guys. I've got to reevaluate, but that's kind of the point is that, you know, at picking players, we're not always going to be good, but at picking strategy, we can be great. And picking the great strategies will insulate you from picking the wrong players. Your team's still good because you did everything correctly. Who cares if the player turns out or not? I mean, it's like I, I made the right strategic move. So now my team is set up in a way that can, can be ready to be wrong. As I always say, it can just, it can, it's insulated. So uh, next we have uh, a question regarding, I guess, the way that you're looking at college prospects. Yeah. Um, this is from Matt McLean on Twitter. Uh, when looking at a college player's best season, do you use metrics from their most productive statistical season or their best season for whatever specific metric you're looking at? So say, you know, uh, Gibbs ran for a thousand yards in his third season, but he had a worse yards per reception or brand for sorry whatever right you know what i'm i know exactly what he means yeah yeah matt i can answer this question because it's there's no right answer right but i'll answer the question this way so when i do the anatomy of a player you know the anatomy of a wide receiver whatever i take their i I sort of define it first of all because some of them are like best season uh, yards by sophomore season, by true sophomore yeah. season, or best season touchdown by sophomore season. What's interesting about that is I will take their best total touchdown, whether it's freshman or sophomore, and then I'll take their best total yards, whether it's freshman or sophomore. So you can have a guy who had 700 yards and one touchdown, and then 200 yards and five touchdowns. I'm going to say he got to 705. Now, that's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to cheat. I'm just saying what was his best touchdown output by sophomore season what was his best yards output by sophomore season and generally speaking in those scenarios it's usually the same season and when i do the same thing with the you know a dominator i'll take their best season uh and i'll take their best season for reception uh per uh you know percentage uh best season oftentimes those are the same seasons their their yards per team pass attempt i'll take their best season well, I'm only doing that because I have to have a uniform way of doing it. But if you're saying that the guy had a really good, you know, freshman season and then sucked for three years or something, and it, you know the 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 first year puts him on a a pedestal and makes him look better than he is, that's great analysis. That's great analysis. Going, yeah, yeah, but that was his freshman year. Da da da. Here's the story of the player. Yes, that's context to data. And I think that's smart. You know, I, I, in a lot of my notes, which I have been been doing, you know, is like uh, early declare or not. Well, I'll also put a, a guy's not an early declare. And if he's a fifth-year player, I put no and a little five. So I know 
this is not even a senior. This is a, this is an old man. And so, you know, and, and so I like to know when they kind of broke out, when they, you know, how old were they? What year was it? What's the story? And then you can start to tell me the story. I look at the data, then tell me the story, look at the film, put it all together and you kind of have an answer. And of course, there's not a lot of time in the day to watch the film of all these players. So the anatomy for me eliminates some guys or at least, you know, virtually eliminates them. And that's what happens, you know, when you look at a guy like, you know, Deuce Vaughn or whatever, and you're like, eh, probably just out. I've seen him play. He looks fucking awesome. I don't know. What am I going to do with that guy? What is he? Is he really going to ever lead a backfield for a week? You know, I think he's going to be a situational player, special teamer. Maybe. I don't know. I just, I can't imagine it. You know, a, a fucking 150 pound, five, six guy in the back. I just, I don't know. So, you know, for that reason, I'm out on him, not because I don't think he's good or whatever and all the other metrics. So, you know, I'm just looking to tell the story with some of the data, but I use their best season. Um, but you can use their last season too. Here's the thing though. Like, okay, I'll give you an example. This is, this was fun when doing the anatomy of a, of a wide receiver, a couple of guys didn't hit a couple of key metrics and, you know, like one of them was Jalen Waddle. Well, if you tell the story of Jalen Waddle, like he didn't hit yards per team pass attempt. He didn't hit now yards per team pass attempt. His best season was his freshman year because like by the time he was a junior, he got hurt. You know, he's yeah. hurt that year. So he didn't have yards per team. So could you prorate it to only the games he played and look at that and say, that's really his yards per, per team pass him. Of course you can, but you can't do it for him and not for the other guys. So there has to be uniformity to the way that you uh, share the data. Like I'm never going to be like, I just gave Jalen Waddle a higher one because he was hurt. I'm just going to look at the data and go, yeah, but he was hurt. You know what I'm saying? And maybe you can then go, well, what was it in the games that he played? Look at that data. Yes, that's all looking further into it. And then go, actually, in the games he played, he was you know, well above the threshold. Well, there you go. So now all of a sudden he qualifies. Same thing with DK Metcalf. You know, you look at DK, he doesn't get there. Well, he was hurt. So a lot of these things are, you know, everything has to be contextualized so that you can tell the story of, of, of the player. And here's the other thing, you know, um, Waddle was drafted, you know, what, sixth overall. Yeah. So clearly the NFL thought this is, this motherfucker is good. Now, the one that was confusing was DK who went, you know, almost in the third round, he went last pick of the second round behind the, the likes of JJ Arcega Whiteside. Why you got to, why you got to do that? You didn't have to, <laughs> we've already brought up Jalen Reagan like six times. You know what I mean? We didn't Guys? have to bring up JJ. <clears throat> and it's our Went Sega behind a guy like that. Arthega Whiteside. I know. Arthega. That was the that Arthega. was the first first telltale sign. Um but you know what I mean? So that was tricky because you're like, "Wait a minute. Is the NFL concerned about anything with this player?" And so that's, you know, we we still overdrafted him over the NFL in in fantasy circles certainly. He was like wide receiver like shirtless pick. It was, dude. That, so that added that, that took like a half a round off his AP. Well, and also he was a two hundred and thirty three pound wide receiver who ran a one I mean a four point three. Yeah. Dude is literally the flash. Un fucking believable. So so there's where you take it all in and you try to figure it all out. And you know, hey, look, TK's not a nuanced receiver, but 
he he's going to go down the field and make big plays. So, you know, I think that's how you you sort of identify um, those things. Hopefully, that answered the question, Matt. I I, um, I think that's what you got to do. You have to have uniformity to the way that you do it, and then add context context with the story that you want to figure out what what the what the truth is with a player like like Waddle or whatever. And I probably missed on Waddle because of reasons that didn't make any sense. I mean, I, when I say missed, I, I have a few Jalen Waddle uh, shares. I, I, you know, it's great. He's a great player. I love him. I was not off him, but it just missed him on, on a few occasions where I might've taken a, a player that wasn't as good ahead of him, maybe even Bateman, you know, uh, or whatever, you know? And so yeah, for those reasons, you kind of yeah. look back and go, I'm not so sure that that was the right process because he was a, the sixth overall pick of the draft. I should have maybe, you know, pushed him a little bit higher in my model and in my the way that I evaluate players. I should have listened to you know myself more, if that makes sense. You know, instead I was a little bit worried. He's a little bit undersized. You know, and I, I I missed it. wasn't John Ross. We knew it wasn't John Ross, but I was afraid he was closer to John Ross than he was to Tyreek Hill. Turns out he's way closer to Tyreek Hill than he is anything else. And you know, that's where you that's where you got to use that context. Yeah, context is everything. I mean, the to to backtrack real quick, just to make sure the question you did answer the question, but it was in like the first like thirty Five seconds. seconds of that. Yeah, you, he takes the individual best year of that yes. stat, not yep. the best overall year. So yeah, yeah, not the sure best season, and then take all the stats from that one season. I take the Correct. best season for each individual stat and put it on there. <clears throat> and that's just how I do it. Now, other people could do it a different way. And and you could literally take everything that I have, just pick what you felt was his best season and use that data. I, there's a lot of different ways to disseminate the information to come up with, you know, something that tries to tell you a story. So to follow that up and, and to end on this, Michael P. Duncan, Mr. P. Duncan, Mr. Philly Duncan, right? It's I, whatever. All right, listen, there's <clears> – <throat> here are the players – if you start just looking before we even get into draft capital, if we look at wide receivers in this in this draft class, who are your early declares? Right. Well, the 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 guys coming out early: JSN, Addison, Quentin, Boutte, Downs, and and then the really the only other two guys are Jalen Hyatt and Marvin Mims. Past that, it's like some some guys further down. You know, it's. Um, Parker Washington, I'm out. Um, well, not totally, but kind of basically out. Um, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Tyler Scott, kind of, I don't know, we'll see. We're, we're going to go through it. But like some of, the, some of the guys further down, but that's it. It's JSN, Addison, Quentin, Boutte, Downs, Mims, and Hyatt. That's seven. <clears throat> so you have to already start to make some excuses for Zay Flowers and, and Tank Dell. Now, if they get good draft capital... That tells us a story. It now becomes a Chris Olave, um, Devontae Smith story where it's like, no, 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 no. They're good. They're good. We just they didn't come out last year. So they're still first round pay. They're still good. So draft capital is going to tell a big story for any of those guys. Uh, Jaden Reed, Rashi Rice, right? All these guys. Um, A.T. Perry, whoever you like in these at, at the wide receiver position, any of those guys who are non-early declares have to get draft capital. Because if they're not early declares and they're also, you know, day three picks, don't draft them. They're not draftable. It's just it's not worth it. You're gonna you're gonna take opportunity costs to draft those guys over. So then you look at yards per team pass attempt. 
By the way, JSN, well over the threshold at 3.26. The threshold's probably about 2.5, 2.5, somewhere in there. Addison, 2.94. Quentin Johnson, 2.36. little concerning. Um, you know, he's a, he's a slight bit concerning with some of his metrics. He scares um, me. A little bit, right? He's just it's a mainly little because bit. he's the type of guy that I know that I'm gonna I love watching. Correct. And that ten years ago, that would be great. Yep. I though they it's Mike Williams and like who else in the NFL like yeah. that right now? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, his landing spot will will tell us a little bit of a story, you know, his draft capital and landing spot. But you know, I that's the reason that right now I have Addison and JSN above him. I just feel like they're yeah. sure sure bets. Um, Boutte misses, but you know, look, Boutte, uh, he's starting to scare me a little bit too. I mean, his best season was really his, his freshman season. So he's got a great breakout age and, but he doesn't get there. He's 1.75 best, best season, uh, yards per team pass attempt. That's not very good. Uh, Josh Downs though, sort of vaults himself p- potentially even into that top two or three wide receivers at the position. He's an early declare. He crushes at 3.53 yards per team pass attempt. Um, you know, 43% of the receptions went his way. That's a huge number. That's the best in the class. Yep. That's the best in the class. So he got targeted. Uh, he had one of the best, um, early production seasons, uh, over 1300 yards and eight touchdowns by a sophomore season, 19 year old breakout age, um, 35% dominator rating. All these numbers are well, well over the thresholds for an elite wide receiver. So Josh Downs, Checks a lot of boxes, uh, 22 career touchdowns, very, very solid. Um, he's just been really prolific. Um, yards per catch, a little bit lower than you'd like to see, one of the lower in the class, but you know he was targeted a great a great deal. So with the touchdowns and the uh, the domination of his of his um, team's yards and touchdowns, I- I'm okay. I-, I think Josh Downs could be a really, really sneaky pick. Uh, at the one-two turn, so Josh Downs really hits a lot of the a lot of the uh, the metrics as well. So we're going to kind of continue to talk about this and ask some of our future guests about these players. What do they think? And uh, we heard it too when uh, Felix was saying that he liked Josh Downs over JSN early in the in the process. And I thought he was a little bit crazy. Maybe he might be onto something. This Josh Downs might be good. You know, so that's coming from a guy who watches. Um, you know college football and is not necessarily looking at the same stuff I'm looking at, but when I look at it, it does jive. So Josh Downs could be a steal in your upcoming draft. Uh, But with all that, we're going to sign off. We're going to get going. Hey, Michael P Duncan, tell him what's up. Uh, You can like where to find me. You know, I mean, yeah, tell him, tell him what's going on. What's up. That's not normally what you say. I listen to every episode of your podcast. I don't think you've ever said that. Like, it's like fair enough. But you're thing. special. Uh, yeah, but you just you threw me off. I was like, I don't. I th- I, I felt I can, like maybe I missed a question. I can throw you off real easy, man. I, it's I, not hard. No, I, I I don't do it on purpose a lot because I like to keep the show moving. And you know, I mean, people like me to pick on you a lot. Um, they they DM me, say pick on Michael P. Duncan more. But uh, you know, I I don't want to get called out. You know, for you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, Philly makes me suffer enough. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I don't want to be a bully. Something. The dunk contest. <clears throat> dude, that dude was awesome. W. Mac McClung, baby. Yeah, dude. Mac McClung. Yeah, because he's very that... good at basketball, but great at dunking. Yeah, he's the kid who's like a internet sensation, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. He broke uh, AI's scoring record in uh, high school in Virginia. No shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. The, the jersey he put on during the dunk contest was his high school jersey that he wore when he broke Allen Iverson's scoring record. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That Playing was actually his first time wearing a Sixers awesome. jersey. He had not worn a Sixers jersey before the dunk contest. Dude. Because he was in the G League. Such a good dunker, dude. I, I mean, so good. Um, Congratulations. I hate that that's like the biggest accomplishment the city has had in since uh, Tom in Brady sports in what you know, yeah I mean arguably yeah that one that one felt pretty good Nick Foles I mean come on I it's got to feel good felt awesome yeah all uh, right well let's uh let's move on come on you know uh yeah you can find me on Twitter at MP Duncan seventy five I'm not tweeting <coughs> a ton right now it's really just my uh sadness as it pertains to Philadelphia sports now it's the Sixers turn to disappoint me. Um, but either they're not going to leave the second round and I'll be fine, or they're going to make it past the second round for the first time since '01 and losing the championship again. So, well, you really can also no find for them. You can also find Michael P. Duncan in the green room helping me produce this great show. And thank you so much, my friend, for being here all the time for me. I appreciate you so much more than you'll ever know. Oh. And with that, on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, and on behalf of my guest, my friend, and the greatest producer that has ever walked the land. Only in Philadelphia, though, is Mr. Michael P. Duncan. I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. Wow.